Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you know you're all American. Oh, actually, you're actually, I can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. It ain't hating on me, Chad. You know yeah, I got to do something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Minasa. You all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Don't get out of my face with that crazy that's, stuff. That's, the number to call, 347-633-9365. Y'all got to take y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Studs. And now, your host, Chad I guess that's my cue. It is Wednesday night. It's already October 14th, 2015, and uh, we are rapidly flying through this high school football season, this college football season, uh, the NFL football season, and that can only mean we are moving closer and closer to uh, National Signing Day, which is that first Wednesday in February. And the reason I'm bringing that up is that is what this show is all about. It's all recruiting tonight on the Gridiron Stud Show as uh, we take you from 8 o'clock to the uh, 9.30 hour here. And uh, we are going to talk with a number of recruiting reporters from across the country. Andrew Spivey from GatorCountry.com joins us. Woody Womack from Rivals joins us. Ryan Bartow from 247. Then we have uh, Greg Biggins from out west. We go all the way out west, Greg Biggins going to talk to us not a whole lot going out west uh not a whole lot going on out there right uh been a quiet week out west nevertheless greg biggins will be here with us to talk about west coast recruiting he is a member of scout.com as is Corey bender happy to have him on the show tonight going to talk a little bit of university of miami hurricanes recruiting so we are going to have the round table this is how it works i bring them all on and we touch a number of topics five minutes we run through it pretty quick grab all the information that you can and uh, I do encourage you to call into the show today if you have any questions or comments about recruiting. The number is 347-633-9365. Again, it's 347-633-9365. Don't be scared. Give us a call. Be uh, happy to take your questions or comments here on recruiting. We know it's uh, a lot on people's mind. Recruiting makes this whole college football thing go round. I think we've all started to notice now that this is how college football coaches get 
uh, hired. It's by recruiting. Something I've kind of railed on here on previous shows. Uh, No one's into developing players anymore. They want the best 18-year-old possible. And uh, good luck after that. Now, don't get me wrong. There are plenty of coaches out there that can do both, that can also uh, recruit as well as coach a kid up. But uh, that's becoming less and less. If you've got a sharp tongue and you can sit in the living room and uh, convince mom and kid and dad that uh, this is the best place for a kid to go, you get the job now. And uh, kids are left to uh, get coached up however they can. And it's a sad situation, but it is what it is, as they say, as the saying goes. And uh, we're just going to have to adjust. It has made a, a big business out of third party, if I could call it that, third party training. Kids come home in the summer, springtime, or even for the little time in winter break, they go see their trainers. Yeah, college football players have trainers now so they can learn how to play the game. Isn't that something? The NCAA instituted this 20-hour rule. Incidentally, that happened uh, just after I was done playing college football. Don't know that I would have liked it, to be honest with you. turned into is college football coaches have precious little time to teach technique. Those 20 hours are greatly spent teaching scheme. And you just, as the player, have to figure out how your technique works into the scheme. But there's so much, so many chess moves being made throughout the week and then on game day, college coaches with their 20 hours have to be concerned with out-scheming the other guy, making the better chess moves, and somewhere in there, technique gets lost. So if you're a college program and you happen to be pretty good at teaching technique, getting your kids to play the game the way it's supposed to be played properly, and you're able to get good players and you have... The upper hand, you start to build a dynasty. I think that's what Alabama had going on. They could teach the game of football, and they could also convince young men that Alabama was the best place to be. Quite frankly, me, I think it's the other way around. It should be. Coach these young men up, make them better players, and then the program kind of sells itself. But uh, college football has gone the way of the slick salesman being the uh, college football coach. Some of them, some of these coaches... You'd be shocked at what, how little they do know about the game. However, again, they can uh, look the look, talk the talk when they get into the home of a kid or get them on the phone or, you know, whatever the deal may be. And uh, they can land them on campus. And so if you have the ability to do that, you will have a job in college football. Uh I don't want to call this a disturbing trend. It's been going on, but something I do want to touch on. We've had a number of every year. Every year you see it. Kids go to college, they get in trouble, and then they're out of there. It's a number of things. If it's not theft, it's uh, domestic abuse, or it's gunplay, or it's, you know, something with drugs. And, you know, a majority of these kids exhibited this behavior when they're in high school. Maybe not to the degree that they're doing it now, because, you know, once you get to college, you've got a little bit more freedom, and that leads to an increase of activities. However, number of these guys, you don't just turn bad when you go to college. There's something had to be lying there, and 
uh, there had to be some indications that you would act in said fashion. Anyway, a number of these kids exhibited behavior in high school that was toxic, detrimental. And a lot of times now at the high school level, high school coaches are kind of looking the other way. We need this guy to win games. We need this guy to win districts. We need this guy to win a state championship. So they deal with it. And they do that for a number of reasons. A lot of coaches now, the jobs, you know, are tied into their record. It's kind of always been the case, but it's more so now. That and these kids can transfer in a heartbeat now. So if you lean on a kid, you're too hard on him, he just transfers. To me, hey, listen, I'm... I came from a place where my high school coach just kicked guys off the team. Kicked the starting quarterback off the team. Starting quarterback was about that BS. Kicked him right off the team. I'm talking about Jack Fogarty at Canyon Springs High School in Moreno Valley, California. He had rules. You didn't follow him. Boom, you're gone. Next man up. And they had a quarterback there coming into my first year at Canyon Springs High School, which was my junior and senior year. I finished high school out in California, and this kid was dynamic. Dual threat, had a hose for an arm, could run around with the football. I mean, everything you didn't want to see if you were the opposition. Couldn't get right, was told a number of times, finally kicked him out of there. We'll move on without you. And move on we did. Won a championship anyway with the next man up. I think if a lot of coaches would take this approach, and uh, not be so afraid to let the next man play or to send a message. You send a message to one guy, you, uh, you know, it tends to be that several other guys get it. So you don't have to keep, you don't get a number of guys acting up on you. Sometimes you just got to make an example of a guy. Hey, you got to go. You've been told two, three times, here's the agreement you signed, or here are the rules that we laid down in day one, and you seem to have a serious problem following them. Your Your behavior is... It's conduct, as they say, detrimental to the team. So your inability to follow rules and do what the team is doing, at some point, eventually, it rears its ugly head on the field. And I could sit here and give you story after story of guys who were allowed to skirt the line, do their own thing. Coach didn't take a hard stance, and at some point, somewhere, it showed up on the field and cost the team. Oh, that happens, and it happens a lot. Don't get mesmerized by the physical ability of a kid who mentally can't get it together. Because this game is 80% mental. And if you're weak mentally, which is what you are, if you can't follow some rules, and you keep wanting to get in trouble with the law, or you're always in a principal's office, and you're continuously getting suspended, you are weak mentally. And when we get in the tough ball game, your weak mental state will be the detriment of the team. So it's in your best interest to let him go. What did Mike Singletary say when he was with the San Francisco 49ers? Can't play with him, can't win with him. Now, you might be old school, man, but sometimes things that are old are very good new. And high school coaches got to start putting their foot down on these players that want to just be doing their own thing. Football is the ultimate team game. 
And if these guys don't want to toe the line, especially if you're in a leadership position like quarterback, you got to let them go. And you owe it to the young man. <clears throat> the quarterback from my high school team was not the only one kicked off the team. We had a couple of other very, very talented, freakish-type athletes in my high school that were let go. And you look at them today, they're successful individuals. Why? Because they were made to realize that your toxic behavior can cost you the things in life that mean the most to you. That was something learned bright and early. They had a chance to make the changes they needed to make in life. It was their wake-up call, and these guys are successful. They're successful in business. They appear to be successful as family men. And you know what? Your football opportunity was taken away from you. There's nothing saying you were going to be an NFL player anyway. That's a 1% chance. But whether you went to the NFL or not, you were going to, be, you were going to have a career doing something. And more than likely, you were going to be the head of a family. High school football coaches have really got to start putting things in perspective. Your job is to mold, shape, and mentor young men. If that results in championships, that's great. If it doesn't, you're still doing the job that you need to do. Because you're going to run young men through your program that are going to be out in the community, the community you live in, and... If you don't do it right, they become the burden of everyone else around, sometimes including yourself. So do them a favor. They can't get it right, bounce them, because it catches up with them at some point. And we're seeing where it catches up. It's catching up to them in college. And now when they mess up in college, it becomes national news. It's all over social media. So they suffer the embarrassment. Their parents suffer their embarrassment. And some of these things these players are getting bounced for are completely embarrassing if you're the parent the grandparent, all the family members that were sitting at signing day, smiling, taking all those pictures that went back home for the celebration or were at the restaurant, 15, 20 people sitting at the table at the restaurant, extremely pleased and happy to see how the young man grew up and he's going away to college. A lot of times the first one in the family with the opportunity to get a college education. And because you couldn't get right, you're sent back home, and it's national news. You're carrying your family's last name, and everybody knows you did what they're saying you did, or at least were involved in it. And, again, we come back to the coaches. It's not 100% your responsibility. Yeah, the players have parents, but it's part of your responsibility. We're using this game as football to mold these young men. And we really just got to start thinking more and more about what we're doing there. All right, we're going to jump into our first break here. When we get back, the roundtable begins. Andrew Spivey from GatorCountry.com joins me on the Gridiron Stud Show when we come back right after this. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash 
make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Here on the Gridiron Stud Show, 817. Just taking a look at some of the uh, team, you know, team rankings at uh, all of the big-time recruiting sites. And I'm talking about 247, Rivals, as well as Scout. All of them agree Ohio State has the best recruiting class for 2016. They have a consensus number one at all three, Rivals, 247, and Scout. Number two is LSU at all three. Now the differences start here at number three. Number three at 247 is Florida State, who's also number three at Rivals. But uh, Penn State gets the nod at Scout.com. Number four for rivals is Penn State. I mean, at uh, 247 is Penn State. Rivals has Ole Miss as number four in the country currently, while Scout.com has Michigan State as number four. They have a total of 20 commits. Right now, Michigan is leading the way with 22 commits out of those teams in the uh, top ten overall. And is rounding out the top five. 247 Sports has Georgia as the number five recruiting class for class of 2016. Rival says it's Michigan, and Scout.com says it's Alabama. You had to know Alabama was going to be in there somewhere. Where does Florida stand in all this? Florida is number 12 at Scout.com. They're number 13 with Rivals. And they are somewhere out of the top 10 for 247 Sports. I don't have that information for me right now. But uh, coming on right now to talk Florida Gators recruiting is uh, Andrew Spivey from GatorCountry.com. GatorCountry.com, one of the top sites out there, providing news, notes, and information on not only Gator football, but all of the sports there at the University of Florida. Andrew, how you doing? I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. While we're on. It's been a slow week uh, at Florida, huh? Not a, a whole lot going week on. For sure. Yeah, it's like Good uh, grief. big big things come, and then it's like, okay, we're going to have a slow week here to get us to Baton Rouge with a lots of news. Oh, man. Listen, uh, never a dull moment in Gainesville, and uh, got some sad news today uh, about DeAndre Porter, reserve defensive back. He's likely seen his last days as a Gator as he faces a number of charges that I won't get into right now. And then, you know, we had the whole Will Greer uh, GNC supplement. Hey, look, what an ad for a GNC, huh? They get all types of publicity out of this. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was kind of funny the way, the way that came about. Uh, 
the, uh, the the GNC thing comes about and everybody starts tweeting at GNC, you know, if GNC starts following some players, some fans, just a weird uh, advertisement deal for GNC. Yeah, I can't wait for the ads that say, look, here's the stuff that Will Greer took and uh, put on whatever. They're going to probably exaggerate and say 60, 70 pounds and got him banned by the NCAA. I see the ads being made already. <laughs> So, you know, there there you go. All right, let's talk Gators recruiting. Um we talked last week about the class of 16, but let's skip let's 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 skip ahead to class of 2017. Uh give us an update on on the big things that are going on in class of 2017 and what Gator fans should pay attention to with this class. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing for Florida right now is they have their quarterback committing Jake Allen from St. Mm. Thomas. He's having a good season. Mm. Uh is a guy that is a big recruiter uh, in the in the class. I, I kind of make him the uh, Gator Country has a, a little running thing where we give out the Nick Washington Award of who is the best recruiter. Yeah. Uh, Nick Washington, uh, Quincy Quincy Wilson had it one year. Uh, mm-hmm. Tyler Jordan had it one year. So Jake Allen's probably right. that guy. He's a guy that's close to a lot of kids and uh, is their quarterback of probably the future after 2016 goes. So big in there. Uh, they got Kadeem Tel- uh, Telford. From uh, Miami, New mm-hmm. Orleans, big three hundred and fifteen twenty pound uh, kid, and yeah, he's a mountain. Here. He's a mountain of a man. He's what is he six <laughs> eight? We we played New Orleans, and he just I, I thought he played tackle and guard on every play over there. He's Trenton Brown's uh, younger brother. That's uh, that's what we call him. And then uh, DeQuan Green is a guy that has kind of been under the radar for a lot of Ford fans uh, this year. He's a 2017 uh, receiver out of Tampa. And a quick look at his stats, and, and the man's putting up big stats this year. 17 catches for 501 yards already this year. And he plays on a team that is not exactly loaded with talent at Tampa Bay Tech. Uh, so he's having a really good year, but – the biggest thing for me right now with the 2017 class is they're able to get so many of these guys uh, on campus. The Tennessee game, mm-hmm. the Ole Miss game, was just loaded with in-state talent. Uh, but, and I, I look at the three main areas in the state of Florida, uh, Jacksonville, uh, Tampa, and then South Florida, and they're loaded for the 2017 year. Uh, in particular, the Tampa area, Chris Rump's area. Uh, you look at Zach Carter, one of the top defensive ends in the country, is from that area. A couple of really mm-hmm. good backs. Devin Barrett um, and Darius Lemons is from there. Then you go down to South Florida, uh, there is Quincy Wilson's younger brother. Marco Wilson is there. Mm-hmm. Then you have uh, several other big-name receivers down there. Uh, Jerry Judy, that's at Deerfield Beach right now. Uh, mm-hmm. where, where, are they with, where are they with Judy? Uh, I, I'm interested in that because he's a rather dynamic player, someone that I have really, really liked in the 7-on-7 circuit and does well in the padded games as well, and that's something you got to – uh, discuss because some some guys are different. But uh, where's Florida stand with him? Uh, are they are they part of the program for him or what? Yeah, uh, most people think that Ohio State is is the leader for him right now. Uh, he, he grew up a, a Buckeyes fan. Uh, but the thing for Florida that they're hoping is having a guy like Brandon Powell uh, in the program, a guy like Aaron Robinson in the program that will help. Plus, Judy is getting close to Jake Allen, so they're hoping that that kind of works out to be a positive for Florida. As you said, Judy is one of the best players in the country at the receiver position for next year. Uh, and then you go look at St. Thomas Aquinas. Trayvon Grimes is a guy that gets a lot of publicity. Now, Florida's trailing mm-hmm. Ohio State there uh, by a big margin. 
But they're, I think they're everyone's hopeful. trailing Ohio State on Mr. Grimes. <laughs> you know, I don't know why he's not even mentioned that. Listen, so we've got the little situation there with quarterback. They're appealing uh, uh, his his suspension, which you know folks didn't realize at first, goes into the early part of next year. Uh, is there any reason for Florida to go seek out another quarterback? Because there could be a situation you know, I, there where. I think so. I, you know, with a quick, a quick look at the depth chart, and it's Treon Harris and it's Will Greer, and then there's Luke Del Rio, who is a walk-on that has mm. hasn't stayed anywhere long enough to play. Uh, Florida mm. does have Kyle Trapps, who is a backup quarterback in high school uh, out of Manville, Texas. That is a project quarterback. The thing that Florida has done quietly, and I think you could speak on this as well, is the quarterback mm-hmm. position is always recruited behind the scenes. And Florida's doing mm-hmm. a lot of that right now. Uh, Dwayne Haskins mm-hmm. is the big-name target uh, from Maryland, committed to Maryland. With Randy Etzel being gone, they're hoping to get him in for a visit. Uh, Felipe mm-hmm. Franks is always the big target. He's, from, uh, he's committed to LSU, but from Florida. The thing that is worrisome to Florida is he just took a visit to Florida State uh, before he's ever visited Florida. But Florida's definitely mm-hmm. looking for that next quarterback in the class. It's just who are they going to flip? Yeah, I mean it. It, I have to admit, it did hurt on uh, on on National Signing Day when they were not able to sign Francois or Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, I, I thought that was something uh, sorely missing from the recruiting class. And by the way, things have turned out here. That's uh, that's kind of played itself out. So uh, before I let you go here, what's the biggest need now in class of 2016, in your opinion? Because that's what we're going to be dealing with coming up right here. Yeah, I think I think you have to look at the defensive back position. Uh, with Porter go, being gone, Porter really only has five defensive backs that can play quarterback on the roster. After next mm-hmm. year, they're going to be looking with Chris Williamson, a freshman with no experience, the Quincy Wilson and Jalen Tabor, two guys who could potentially leave school early, potentially. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they need to sign depth at that position this year. They've got five committed. They need, they're need. they looking to get another guy so they can have four cornerbacks and two safeties. And then you have to get some more linebackers in the class. They have Voshan Joseph from Norland, and then they have Jeremiah Moon from Hoover. They're looking at a couple more guys, and that is the biggest position. They need four linebackers in this class in a very bad way. Yeah, and I think everyone there would agree with that. All right, we're going to leave it at that, man. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty for you to get to, and who knows what tomorrow is going to bring in Gainesville. Saturday cannot get here fast enough. Andrew, thanks for joining me here on the Gridiron Stud Show. You got it. Wishes good luck. All right, definitely. Wishing you good luck. I'll be there in person <laughs> to check you. it all out. Thanks for joining <laughs> us. It's Andrew Spivey from GatorCountry.com talking about Florida Gators recruiting. From Andrew Spivey, we're going to head out of one of my favorite guys on the recruiting reporter trail, and it's Woody Womack. You know, last week I called him. He was playing, uh, you know, he was Mr. Food Network guy. What are you doing today? Uh, well, we're house shopping, uh, house shopping this evening. Going to talk about, uh, talk about, talk about a struggle. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I've been, I've been down that road. Well, never, you know, I said there's never a dull moment in Gainesville. There's never a dull moment with my man, Woody Womack, but, uh, nevertheless, you've made it here to talk and let's talk about, one of the big headlines we've had this week, and there have been so many, this could have got lost in there, but uh, Steve Spurrier has hung it up, not at the end of the year, but right now. And what has that meant for recruiting for South Carolina? I know uh, one of their quarterback commits had come out and 
you know, renewed his pledge, kept it strong, but has it affected other areas of South Carolina Gamecocks recruiting? Well, it's surprising. Right after the Spurrier news broke, they actually picked up a four-star defensive tackle from uh, Alabama, which was very weird. Darius Whitfield, mm-hmm. the guy we've seen over the years that we liked a lot, his older brother actually plays for Alabama. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see the full fallout until the new the new coach is hired. I mean, they've got some guys right now that are borderline, you know, SEC players. I think mean, they've got – they have four two-stars in their class right now. They probably have a fifth one that I haven't lowered in the rankings yet, but I've seen mm-hmm. them play a couple times this year. I haven't been impressed. So we're not talking mm-hmm. like they've got a home run class as is. They've got a really good wide receiver in, in Brian Edwards, who who's an in-state guy uh, that, that I really like. They have Marlon Character, a defensive back from Atlanta. I personally see him uh, ending up at Auburn uh, even before this news came out, so I think this might push him that way even, even faster. So I think it depends on the name they get, and they're going to have to basically start from scratch. We've seen some coaches come in and get new jobs and, and really close strong. We've seen others kind of get in there late and had a had a hard time closing it out. So it'll, it'll depend on the name, but I think it's going to be a – a rough year for them already. They're slow and go, and I think it's going to be even slower. Um, you know, Clemson is doing so well, and you got Clemson and you got South Carolina, and I just don't think there's enough talent in that state, obviously, to split between the two of them. I, who, who's really winning the recruiting wars there? Is it? Can we just obviously say it's Clemson, or is it closer than some people may think? Well, I think it is. it is Clemson, and what they've been able to do is they get the best guys in state and they get them early. Uh, you know, right now I think they have the top two players in the state, Tavian Feaster, a really talented running back we saw come down there to Florida and run all over uh, Felipe Franks' team at the beginning of the year, which uh, surprised a lot of people. But when you look at the top 25 players in the state, I mean, it's hard. You know, Stephen Davis Jr. is uncommitted right now. He was committed to Auburn. I, I'm not sure where he's going to end up. But, you know, in, in the top ten, Clemson's got, Clemson's got two of the top three. South Carolina's only got one of them. So, I see it being. Yeah. I see it being a long, it's a, long it's, road. It's, I think that's kind of led to some of what's happened here. Clemson's rise has probably dug into South Carolina a little bit. They can't get the Lattimores. They can't get the Clownies uh, the way they used to for whatever reason. And I guess you could blame Dabo Sweeney and his and his slick dance moves in the locker room. But uh, it's <laughs> caused a problem for them. Um, what are the rec- who do the recruiting guys think will be the next person in South Carolina patrolling the sidelines? I don't know. I've, I've heard some talk about uh, uh, Justin Fuente, the coach at uh, Memphis. I think that might be a good move for him, but then again, he's got ties to Texas, so he may be holding out to see if any one of those jobs comes available in, in that state. Um, you know, I know we hear discussions about Jeremy Pruitt, you know, which mm-hmm. is sort of odd to me, at least at this point. I'm not sure. <laughs> You, you, I mean, not quite ready, down. I would say, but hey, <laughs> that doesn't matter in this game anymore. Right, and, and, and a few people I've talked to have said, you know, Woody, why is he, why is he being considered? And I say, you know, just mm-hmm. because it's uh, a hire, hot name, the right hire. Yeah, he's yeah, got the name. buzz. He's got the buzz. I don't know if he has the resume of some of these other guys. I mean, even if you look at. Somebody like Kirby Smart at Alabama, or uh, even McElwain. How long, how long did he have to wait to get his first job right. uh, at Colorado right. State? So, I mean, some of these guys worked their way up for years and years and years before they finally get a shot. Other guys, 
they're the hot name, and next thing you know, they're, they're yeah, they're they're on that quick cool. they're on that quick escalator. It's it's uh, kind of funny how all that works. Um, what about Will Muschamp? Has that name been thrown around there at all? I ha- I haven't heard Will as a possible name. I, I you know I personally think you know if if Auburn were undefeated right now, maybe we would we would hear that. I I think uh, I don't think he's more of a coordinator than a head coach at this point in his mm-hmm. career. We saw what he did down in Florida, had some success. But, you know, I think give him a couple of years at Auburn, let them have a dominating defense, him and him and T-Rob, and then maybe they move on from there. I wouldn't be surprised, though, uh, to see somebody maybe approach uh, or T-Rob about being a defensive coordinator. I think he's a guy that, that could move up. I know maybe he wants to go to the NFL at some point in his career, but uh, you know, if you look at the talent he's produced, including, uh, you know, the guys that are on the roster now at Florida, those are all his players. I think he's right. kind of a guy that's deserving of a better opportunity. Yeah. Um, that, that name, looks, and he's not going to be able to, they're not going to be able to keep him under wraps for, for, for that much longer over there at Auburn. He's definitely, that's definitely the next move for him. Before I let you go here, Notre Dame obviously is having some success. They're playing in these marquee games and they're, uh, relevant again, what has that meant for them recruiting-wise in the southeast area of uh, the United States? Well, we saw him pull uh, earlier this week a uh, commitment out of uh, Memphis, Dante Vaughn, a four-star DB. And, you know, you know, when you think Memphis, you don't think guys going to Notre Dame. So that's a big-time get for them to, to reach down in there and pull a guy out. I had an article on uh, Rivals.com this week where I broke down current players on their roster from the southeast and kind of how they've panned out. Uh, they've done okay. I, I just think it, you know, there's a special kind of player it takes to go to Notre Dame and to fit into their system. You know, if you watch that that show they have on Showtime, you know, it's a mm-hmm. unique it's a unique bunch of guys. So I think it's they can't just go. They they have to pick and choose their spots. I think they can if they keep winning. I think they can get some of these guys. But it's just so hard to to pull players out of the South. Number one because of the weather. Nobody you know mm-hmm. nobody wants mm-hmm. to go to the cold weather. Number True. two, they don't want to get far away from their families. So it, it's a unique guy, but, uh, you know, they, they're really ha- they're really hammering Tennessee. There's a few other guys that they're in on. Ikeno KK is another DB who just picked up Texas A&M offer last night. So they're mm-hmm. trying really hard to, to get players. I, I still think it's only going to be maybe one or two a year, and then, like I said, it's going to be a unique player. Yeah, well, uh, looking for those dynamic playmakers. And like you said, Notre Dame's not for everyone. They just kind of have to find a way to fit them all in, like I fit you in into the recruiting roundtable today. And as always, happy to have you here and looking forward to doing many more shows like this with you, Woody. Thanks for joining us. All right, appreciate it. All right, Woody Womack from Arrivals.com talking uh, a little Southeast recruiting and the uh, impact of the uh, whole Steve Spurrier I'm ready to go now. This is no more fun uh, decision. And, uh, you know, let me not get on Spurrier like that. He did a great thing there for South Carolina because they were uh, bottom feeders in the SEC before he uh, jumped up and and uh, made them relevant again. All right, we're going to take a break when we get back. I uh, was hoping to have Ryan Bartow on. I, I'm, I suppose he'll join us at some point. But Greg Biggins, West Coast. We're going to talk some West Coast recruiting with Greg Biggins from Scott.com when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this.
Hey, hey, hey. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Damn team, carry two chests out of 65. <laughs> I was raping them. We're back here for the next segment of uh, the Recruiting Roundtable on Gridiron Stud Show, special Wednesday night edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. And uh, it was my fault, but he has now joined us, national recruiting reporter for 247 Sports, who's going to talk to us about some Texas recruiting. Ryan, how you doing, man? Doing great. I'm actually driving in uh, downtown Fort Worth. Got through my six schools in South Dallas today. We got 16 down, nine more to go, and a couple college uh, meetings and practices on deck tonight and tomorrow, too, so it's been productive. Yeah, well, I I know you're one of the busiest men in uh, the whole recruiting game, and here you are out in uh, last week you were talking about coming back from North Carolina. This week you're out there in Texas, and I'm glad you're out there because Texas is a place we need to talk about. Obviously, we just had the big Red River rivalry. It was not the outcome that people expected when Oklahoma took on Texas, so much so that uh, Charlie Strong got thrown up in the air by his players. So I got to ask you – you know, what effect has that had if, you know, sometimes there's a knee-jerk reaction to that in recruiting. Have you noticed any of that? Uh, you know what, a little bit. If I would have went through these schools last week, I think a lot of kids wouldn't have mentioned Texas in their top three, especially in Dallas, which is the number one spot in mm-hmm. Texas recruiting. And I've noticed they, they're a little bit more into it, but the reaction from most of these top four four three-star guys I've talked to this week is, hey, they're building it there. He's only in year two. Let's see what he can do. Can he have more wins like he did against Oklahoma? Because that was certainly a surprise to everybody involved, especially the prospects that were there. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the feedback I've got with them so far. The really the thing that's make that job a little harder is Baylor and TCU are both less than an hour and a half from Dallas. They're averaging mm-hmm. 60 points a game. They're winning almost every game they play. 
So suddenly two teams that, you know, not historically have been successful, but of lately mm-hmm. have been, they mm-hmm. have bigger appeal, especially for the offensive skill positions. Yeah, who is the big dog in Texas? Than, than, that's, that's, than Texas that's, does. Yeah, that's really the question I had for you. You know, you've got Texas A&M doing well. You've got TCU doing their thing. You know, Texas is, is Texas. Texas Tech doesn't want to play defense, but they, they'll go score you 40, 50 points. Who's the big dog in Texas? I still think A&M is. This is my fifth time coming through Metro Dallas in the last two years. And two years ago, the first time I came through, A&M was getting whoever they want. Then they maybe slipped off at the end of last year when they couldn't get Malik Jefferson and DeAndre McNeil. And that gave just a little bit of momentum to Texas. But now A&M starting off undefeated. They're getting pretty much whoever they want, especially receivers and offensive tackles, two positions they really produce well. And then from there, I would say Baylor is doing a great job, especially offensively. Yeah, forgot about Baylor on top of that as well. We got Baylor out there. So many schools in Texas, um, you know, doing it big. And, and they're all right grabbing here. The and you got T- yeah, and you got TCU that that's barely ever loses, that's 40 minutes from Dallas. And then you also have two bright coaching stars in the business, Chad Morris at SMU, and Tom Herman might go 12-0 and this year at Houston and line him up for a bigger job. So, I mean, we're talking six programs all within about a three-and-a-half, four-hour radius that are fighting for all these same kids. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, you know, I finished my high school career out in California. When I was there, there were, you know, just so many schools out there. You had USC, UCLA, you had San Diego State, you had Cal, you had Stanford, you know, and then you had Fresno State and San Jose State all playing pretty good football, you know, not to mention the Long Beach State, the place I ended up would jump up every now and then and and have a team. There's just so much good football college-wise in the state of Texas. So um, it just seems like there's a there's a lot of competition there. Do do Have you found now going into these high schools, do, do the high school coaches – have support for Charlie Strong? Are you finding that, or are they kind of like some of these fans that want to see him gone? Some do. I think a lot of these coaches and a lot of them have been established. You know, Texas is a different dynamic. All these coaches and their staffs make way more than anywhere else you'll find in the country. So, mm-hmm. I mean, these coaches are under the gun to win and develop and produce. And at the same time, almost all of them, if you ask them straight up who's your favorite team and always has been, for whatever reason, it's always Texas. That's the flagship program in this state. If they had their choice, they would send them all there. So it's going to take Charlie and his staff a while to build those rapports and get inside these powerful programs in Texas to get some of these kids that they need to be sending them. You really need the Texas high school coaches on your side because if you don't, you don't have a shot in this state. And Chad Morris does. Art Bryles definitely does. Gary Patterson does. Tom Herman does. So Charlie's going to have to build up that rapport, and the best way he can do it is by showing results on the field. Yeah, I'm willing to bet if they ask Charlie right now, um, is this thing harder than you thought it was going to be? He would have to answer yes to that question. Well, before I let you out of here, uh, we don't get to talk Texas recruiting much here on the Gridiron Stud Show. So give us three names in Texas, my audience and Anyone listening needs to know out of the state of Texas. 
Well, shoot, Devin Duvernary, he's the top wide receiver in the state of Texas. I met with him. That one of the awesome things in Texas is they have practice throughout the day. So I get to see a practice at 7.30 in the morning, Monday morning. And this that? kid's a 4-4 kid all day. And his brother's committed to Baylor. He just officially visited Ohio State and Alabama. But the crystal ball says Baylor, and why not? If you're a wide receiver, you know you're going to be featured in that offense and touch the ball a lot. And I expect him to, to publicly commit to the Bears right around Halloween time. Now, the mm-hmm. second top recruit in the Dallas area is Gene Delance. He's 6'6", 295 offensive tackle. I, that's a war between Texas A&M that produces that position so well and Texas that's really made him a priority like they did Malik Jefferson. So mm-hmm. he, he'll be one way or the other. That's probably the biggest battle between those old rivals that's going on in Dallas right now. And the third guy I've got to mention is He's our top dual threat QB in the country for next year at 24-7 sports, Sean Robinson. He reminds me a lot of Deshaun Watson. He's 6'2", 210. He runs a legit 4'4", and puts up huge numbers at Denton Geyer that's had J.D. Walsh from Oklahoma State, that's had Duran Hurd that's now the QB at uh, Texas. So that's a factory for that position at that high school. He's already early commit. To TCU and shoot, you can't blame the kid. What I mean, they put up 60 points every week and they play a up-tempo offense that also runs their quarterback. So I mean, that's a that's a great fit in many ways. Yeah, definitely a system you can go get your arms sore in. So hey, listen, I uh, appreciate you coming on and talking Texas football here with us. Like I said, we don't get to talk much about it, and who better to talk about it with than a guy driving all through Metro Dallas and Fort Worth right now? Appreciate you coming on. Sounds good, man. I can't wait back to be back in Fort Lauderdale on Saturday, back in paradise. Hope, hope everything's good with you guys back home. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Ryan Bartow, nationwide recruiting analyst for 247 Sports, currently in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, trying to find out the latest with the recruits out there. Well, from good old Lone Star State, we're going to head out west to California and talk to someone that I know has been very busy this week. You know, look, they've had the drama down in Gainesville, uh, but they've been very busy out there out west too with the whole deal going on at USC who's now looking for a coach. Greg, thanks for joining me here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Anytime, my man. How you doing? I'm doing I'm doing good, man, trying to stay on top of all the news. Like, if you put your phone away for about 20, 30 minutes at any point this week, you missed a ton of news. It's like you can't you got to keep your phone on your hip. You need like one of those Apple watches on your wrist at all times to keep up with all the stuff that's going on. You got two USC schools on opposite sides of the coast looking for a coach right now. I uh, know. I mean honestly, I, it's it's a sickness that I, I can't even use the bathroom without taking my phone with me. I can't wait for the day when I can just relax for a half hour, put the phone away and just be a be a dad and be a be a better yeah, husband. I, that's how, I'm looking forward to that day when that comes around. Yeah, well, let me know when that comes around. Right now, Weiss got to be wondering: are, are we cheating on him? We got this phone with us all the time and taking it everywhere. No, so uh, there that. you go. I heard um, that. Yeah. <laughs> what's this? What's what? You, you listen, when stuff like this happens, uh, I've I, I've you know, had two teenagers in this process. One went through it; the other one's in it. When something like that happens with the school they're thinking about, it obviously has to have some kind of impact. What's been the noticeable impact? of Sarkeesian being released by USC? So, uh, 
to, to kind of break it down, you know, there's USC is such a strong national brand, and especially locally out here, out here in Southern California. As you know, you're a you're a West mm-hmm. Coast guy, so <laughs> from a national stamp from a national standpoint, it, it's obviously hurt them right away. Dalen Hayes, who's you know an impact linebacker, long time commit, actually signed his scholarship papers already. Uh, he's from out of mm-hmm. Michigan. He went ahead and decommitted and. And once a player decommits, you rarely see them go back to that same school. So Jalen oh, Hayes yeah, looks definitely. like a loss. Looks like a loss. Also, uh, our number one tight end, Isaac Nada from IMG Academy, uh, was set to go visit USC. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to get him or not, but he went ahead and canceled that official trip. He could have gone out and visit Alabama instead. So national recruiting is definitely going to be affected by this. Locally, um, you know, all these kids that committed early, your, your Tyler Vaughns, your Trayvon Sidneys, your, your Matt Finks, uh, your Frank Martins, all those guys, I, honestly, it doesn't matter who the coach is. They're going to USC. Mm-hmm. So, again, that's, that's, the, that's the brand. That's, that's what USC, they're able to go and recruit just because of the name. I mean, it's a cliche, but some, certain schools kind of recruit themselves. And in Southern California, USC definitely recruits themselves, and I, I, so I don't think they're going to be hurt that much locally. Obviously, these kids want to know who the next head coach is going to be, but again, they could hire you or me, and, and they'd still go to USC. That, that's how strong that national brand is. Yeah, um, and then you know, one of the things that people talked about was you know USC not having an identity under Sark, um, and I think that that's going to be a part of what they're looking for with the next guy is having an identity, maintaining it, because that is a big deal for USC. On that identity, when Pete Carroll came in, one of the big things that he did, because, you know, everything was Hollywood out there, and the Pac-12 was all about offense, but one of the noticeable things he did was on the defensive side of the ball, and in particular on the defensive line position, he started getting some real dogs at that position who would get in the backfield and disrupt run plays, disturb the quarterback, and cause all types of pressure, and that's been missing. Uh, I think USC fans would have to admit that that's been missing here in the last few years. What can you tell us about USC's defensive line recruiting for 16 and 17 and how they're going to go about fixing that problem. Yeah, I mean, and, and that was so well said. I don't know if you watched the 30 for 30 last night, but the, the, the thing that the Pac-10 has always been known, Pac-10, Pac-12, has always been known for is offense, and no one plays mm-hmm. defense. People thought it's a soft conference. They're soft. I never thought it was mm-hmm. soft. Because we just mm-hmm. don't have the D linemen out here. I mean, you go and look at the SEC and they'll have 20 guys playing D-line or D-tackle, and we just don't have those guys out west. I don't know what, what, the, what the issue is, but it's mm-hmm. hard to find big-time quality, especially interior guys. So right now USC has three D-linemen committed for the 2016 class. One of them is from Lakeland, Florida, Keyshawn Camp. Again, mm-hmm. uh, will he stick? You know, Again, he's not a diehard USC guy like so many Southern California right. kids are. So will he stick? Uh, you know, Liam Jimmins, kind of a sleeper, uh, under-the-radar guy, rush defensive end, Keanu Saliapaga, another kind of a project type of kid. They're trying hard with Jordan Elliott out of Texas, Houston. Um, you know, there's talk that they might get a visit from Rashawn Gary. I, I doubt that it even happens. He was going to be a long shot anyway. So, I mean, they're trying. They really are to try to, you know, bulk up on the interior part of that line. And they did a nice job last year. You know, they have three or four freshmen that I, I think can really play. So, don't think it's not a need. And don't think that they don't feel, you know, we don't need to stack up on line. We can just get receivers. It's just, mm-hmm. again, there's just always a dearth of quality DNs and D tackles, especially out in Southern California, West Coast, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think that's a part of the key of USC getting back to where they were. Well, with all of the troubles and, you know, listen, it's been a little bit of a – 
it's been a noticeable drop off, let me say, for USC since the heyday and everything that we saw in the Trojan War 30 for 30 that we had on last night. With that being the case and Jim Moore coming in over at UCLA, have they been able to gain any ground in the recruiting wars uh, against USC or is it still status quo? It's all about SC out west. No, I mean, UCLA absolutely has. You know, Jim Moore is a, an extremely aggressive coach. I mean, he's a, he's a good football coach, but even more than be, being a good coach, you know, he just has a, a I don't care mentality. Like, I don't care who mm. USC is. I don't care who – I mean, he'll go into the South and try to recruit against Bama. You know, he'll go into Florida mm-hmm. and try to go ahead and have Florida State. I mean, Jim Mora does not care. So he absolutely will compete uh, toe for toe. And, and again, a lot – they're already – most of the Southern California kids are growing up. They're kind of more leaning toward SD, especially because they grew up from that Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart era. And if those mm-hmm. kids weren't USC fans, their parents were or their older brothers were or their cousins were. So, right. They understand they're they're already going to be kind of up against it when they're going head to head with USC. But no, Jim Moore is doing a great job, and he actually has recruited defensively. The, the, the defensive line, especially, probably better uh, than USC has. I think that's why they've been more successful against USC. They've beaten them the last three years because they've been more tough and more physical up front in those trenches. So no, I think Jim Moore is doing a very good job and making some inroads there for sure. Yeah, well, now's the time to you know to to kind of. Jump in there while there's a little gap in here and there's plenty of time left in this season, which means they're not going to have a coach ready. I think this is a, a prime time for those folks over there in Westwood to uh, kind of make some inroads in the whole recruiting of Southern California there. Well, listen, we're going to leave it there. And, uh, you know, I, I love getting the West Coast stuff on. You should play a little Snoop Doggy Dog when you're coming on next time. How about that? How, that's, <laughs> that's West Coast, to. huh? <laughs> Big All right, Greg, Thank man. Thank you for West Coast yeah, definitely. Can't can't get any more West Coast than that. Well, listen, uh, love having you on and uh, looking forward to your next report on West Coast recruiting on the Gridiron Stud Show. Sounds good, man. Sounds good. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right. Greg Biggins, Scout.com, West Coast recruiting analyst, talking USC and the impact of Steve Sarkeesian being shown the door by Pat Hayden and um, and the defensive line recruiting, which is, you know, something that uh, I think there's been – I don't know if it's the talent or the scheme or whatever. It's, they just have not been dominant on that in that particular area. And I think if USC is going to get back to where they want to be, they're going to have to go back to getting some real animals there in the defensive line to control some of uh, all this output, offensive output that we're starting to see in the Pac-12 right now. Well, we're going to bring it all the way back to this coast and slide all the way down to the southeast and talk a little University of Miami Hurricanes recruiting and I'm happy to have this next guest on from Scout.com. Corey Bender's here with us to talk Miami Hurricanes recruiting. Corey, how you doing? Good, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, um, listen, we know all about the big showdown that happened there in Tallahassee, eerily close to last year's game where Miami had their chance late in the game to win it and somehow, some kind of way, couldn't beat Florida State. And what hurt the most was the guy that cut him up and did the most damage is right here from the backyard, Central High School in the heart of Miami. Um, so that has to sting a little bit uh, for for the faithful and for, you know, um, the staff and the team itself, you know. Um, you know, J- poor Jerry Yerby had to watch his ex-high school teammate just go to town and hand him an L. Uh, let's talk about this. Back-to-back losses now, Cincinnati and Florida State. You lose once again to your rivals. Uh, what impact is the struggles here in the last few weeks has it had on Miami Hurricanes recruiting? Well, yeah, Miami actually just lost a commitment yesterday. James Pierre, a local safety out of Deerfield Beach, he ended up flipping to North Carolina, a school that's really kind of been making up ground in his recruitment. 
but what, he's one kid that actually grew up a diehard Miami fan, and that's, I mean, he basically committed on the spot when he got over the summer. But the one thing I got out of it, he said it really wasn't a hard decision to make that flip. And, you know, I think that definitely hmm. says something. Coming from a kid that definitely committed, I think it only took about three hours, Chad, before he committed. And uh, there's a lot of guys. I mean, half of their commits right now are definitely looking around. I mean, Zach Moss is a guy, obviously, a local kid out of Hallandale. He obviously remains solid to Miami, but he's going to take visits to Kentucky, Utah, uh, Louisville just offer as well. So um, you have guys, and then you have the guys that actually grew up Miami fans like Deontay Mullen, Cedric Wright, Shaq Quarterman, mm-hmm. and all those guys. You really are not too worried about, but you just never know if a new staff ended up coming in. You just never know with that turnover. So I think it's definitely made a big impact. You have a lot of guys looking around. And uh, Mon Richards, a kid out of Wellington, he's a big-time recruit, and he's going to take all five officials. So I think right now a lot of guys are taking that wait-and-see approach and uh, kind of going to see you know, how the end of the season rolls out. And I think some kids look at it, too, like, you know, I mean, if Miami ends up getting a new coach and say everything doesn't go correctly, um, I mean, I think they're still going to get a big-time coach. And I think a lot of recruits understand that. So I think they're taking a wait-and-see approach and just kind of just, you know, staying firm to their commitment and just taking those visits and, you know, just make sure they're making that right decision. Yeah, um, and, and you know, who knows how this goes I'm, I'm, you know, there's been all the speculation is will this be Al Golden's last year, and so now you're going to have this whole limbo uh, situation hovering around the, the the coaching position. I don't know if that's gonna how much that's going to hurt or help. You know, it might sound strange to people as to that possibly helping, but um, folks might be anxiously awaiting to see who's going to be the next guy, and there have been all sorts of names thrown out there as to who's going to be oh man a crazy (laughs) amount of names some of them will absolutely make you chuckle but you know let's be honest we know that this has been going on for a year it's been going on for a year so i mean it's not that's the one thing a lot of these recruits they hear it all the time a lot of these kids that grew up in south florida i mean they probably hear it all the time especially after the cincinnati loss it's always brought up so i mean people are obviously aware of it it's just kind of a wait and see approach and you know hopefully the kids turn around towards the last half of the year but um, yeah, it's definitely made an impact on recruiting for the biggest part. Yeah, well, you know, listen, it's, and then the whole thing that you've got going on back and forth is, is it the talent or is it the coaching? Um, let's say it is the talent, and if that is the case, what are the must-gets for Miami in this recruiting class? I think one, obviously, I think one that's actually committed right now because, I mean, you have a lot of these kids that are actually somewhat soft verbals, but I think Amon Richards is the guy you have to keep in the fold. He's a guy that's been committed for almost a year now, actually over a year now. Um, you know, Alabama's made up a ton of ground with him, but he's a big-time potential both sides of the ball, a good frame at six two and a half, 108 pounds, and uh, big-time speed and playmaking and building. And obviously, if they lost a kid like that, I know they have the kid Clouston, Henderson out Clouston. Uh, he's a big target who's very raw, but he hasn't really played much football. And I know Sam Bruce is going to take his business. We'll see how that all works itself out by the end of mm-hmm. the year. But, um, you know, Richards is a sure thing. I think he has the most potential of all the receivers coming in in Miami's 16 class. And um, he's a kid, I, even, I remember a spring game. He had three interceptions and took two back to the house just in the spring game. And that kid, that's the one recruit I don't think gets talked about enough in Miami's class. And uh, I think mm-hmm. Shaq Quarterman, I mean, he's a guy that I think they have to keep in the fold. And uh, both of those guys, like I said, they both signed. I mean, Richards did, but... Corbin signed a uh, grand agreement uh, mid-year, so, I mean, he's not exactly locked in to Miami, but it just kind of shows his commitment to the program overall. But those are two mm-hmm. guys that actually are, like, committed to the program, but I think they have to do a good job of just kind of keeping him in the fold in case anything does happen towards the end of the stretch for a sign day. Um, you know, there's another kid, Ja'Kai Polite, uh, Daytona Beach mainland, uh, big kid, 6'4", 240, 
of a powerhouse program, winning program. And uh, obviously, he, he really impressed me in the offseason. He's a big frame kid at 6'4", 240, but uh, played a lot of outside mm-hmm. linebackers in 7-on-7. Seven seven. Uh, and a big-time recruit, too, up there in Mainland. A lot of the Power 5 schools in the Southeastern Conference are coming after him. But, uh, you know, Miami's that top school. But, you know, Florida's been making up momentum here uh, in the last couple of months. And a few months sure. ago, a lot of people thought he'd be a lock to Miami. But I think that's a guy they just need to keep, you know, recruiting and recruiting. And many thought this would have been over a few months ago. But a lot of uncertainty, obviously you know, with everything going on in Coral Gables right now. Well, so I came out on Monday and said Brad Kaya's, uh best quarterback in the ACC right now. Um, I got I had a, Most folks agree with me on that. You had to get a couple mm-hmm. of guys that, that didn't. They're probably from some other rival school. You never know out there. But um, And so we feel comfortable and great with having Brad Kaya there as a quarterback here at the University of Miami. But we do have to think about life after him. Tell me about the recruiting, the quarterback recruiting going on right now for the University of Miami. Yeah, there really hasn't been too much drama as far as like the quarterback position they're recruiting. I mean, they have Jack Allison, the guy who's been in the fold and you know fully committed to Miami for a number of months. Um, he's another guy that signed that grant grant aid agreement. Uh, basically, just secures a scholarship offer with the school. He can still back out or you know choose another school if he, if he decides to. But he's a guy that's really locked in with the Miami. Um, actually, he's been recruiting a little bit for them as well. Um, he isn't playing game back down to the end of the season because uh, he's so busy with his season up at Palmetto. But um, I think right now, I mean, there hasn't been too much drama in the 16 class. He's a guy that's really took the leadership role as far as that recruiting class. I mean, strong arm, good pocket presence, good size of six five one ninety five. I think he's a guy that really has to you know, get stronger and put on that weight, but he'll have time to do so. Obviously, next year with Kaya coming back. Um, but, yeah, as far as 2017 class, they have another commit for that class. Um, Nikosi Perry of Aquila Vanguard. Uh, up in Marion County. He actually committed to the U over Virginia Tech just a few weeks ago. Uh, he's more of a dual threat, actually a lot different than Allison. Uh, 6'3", 155, he can really dissect defenses with his legs. Uh, just a great overall athlete position. Uh, pretty raw, had to put on some weight, 6'3", 175 pounds, but he has a whole other year of high school left and has a lot of stuff you can't teach. And he does a good job of being pressure in the pocket and just extending plates with his legs. But as far as 16 and 17, they got quarterbacks committed. There hasn't been too much drama especially in the 16 class. Um, I mean, there's been talk about Allison. If they do get it, I know he's really close with uh, Coach Coley. So they've always said maybe mm-hmm. Florida can make it run. If there's any any chance of there's any coaching turnover late in the year that maybe some of these other in-state schools can turn up the heat on. But he's a guy that's locked in with the U. Um, like I said, it just shows, like I was saying with all the other guys that signed their grand aid agreement, it just shows how you know, their commitment to the program and just where they're at, what they're standing with that commitment. It does Right now, not too much drama, and they have quarterbacks committed in both the 16 and 17 classes. Well, um, yeah, so it's it's good to know that. Hopefully these things fall in place the way they expect it to, and that's always something you keep your fingers crossed and your teeth clenched when you're talking about college football recruiting because we're dealing with 16-, 17-, and 18-year-olds here. Um, let's take the shift away a little bit from the University of Miami. Let's just talk about South Florida. Uh, you know, I could bring – 100 reporters on here and we can talk till the cows come home about the top guys in the country the guys in the top 100 but who are some guys out here in south florida that you've seen that deserve some recognition but may not be on the national list getting national attention uh Keldrick Cesar, uh interior offensive lineman on miami edison about 6'3 295 pounds he's like an agile technician man that really reaches the second level of ease um really plays a good pad level nice bend uh does a good job driving his feet up field and Good frame, too, about 6'3", 290, a real good frame, not much bad weight. Um, like I said, he only has offers right now from USF, Syracuse, and Temple. 
but definitely a guy that can play at that power five level. And you watch a guy in film, he does a lot of stuff that you look for in the high school offensive lineman. And like I said, the good thing with him, I mean, he's approaching 300 pounds, but not much bad weight as all, uh, bad weight as well. You know, another guy that I really like, and obviously you guy you're really familiar with, Chad Bradley Clement out of uh, Plantation American Heritage, uh, kind of mm-hmm. old school throwback type of Mike linebacker. I, I like him; does a good job of reading and reacting at the linebacker position. Um, really instinctive. I think more athletic than giving credit for. I mean, you'll see him on film, you know, changing direction and really tracking the football all over the field. And uh, good size and good frame at 225 pounds. And I know he's committed for Atlantic. And correct me if I'm wrong, Chad. I think that's his only offer. He might have maybe one or a few other ones, but he's a kid I definitely like a lot on film. Yeah, um, not a whole lot. Yeah, not a whole lot there with the with the you know in terms of offers and it's uh, it's, uh, it's strictly a size thing because the kid plays his heart out, is strong, fast, and plays with his plays with a tremendous amount of heart. But uh, yeah, FAU is getting a good pick up there. He's a good football player overall. And then the other one I was thinking about Rashad Smith, uh, you know, outside linebacker slash safety out of Homestead, who's committed to Florida Atlantic as well. Um, you know, played defensive back for a high school, but played more outside linebacker for his high school team. Um, really explosive and athletic at six two one ninety. Could transition the outside linebacker with that long frame he has if you're patient with him. Uh, definitely looks like he can add that weight pretty easily. Uh, you know, light on his feet, great closing speed, really aggressive. And uh, like I said, I like his upside. I mean, like I said, he can play safety. He has an athletic trace to play safety. Uh, but like I said, he has some nice upside if you're willing to be patient with him if you want to transition to that outside linebacker spot. And, uh, you know, he's committed to FAU, but only other, two only other offers from Bowling Green and Temple. And, uh, you know, all three of those guys, I think they're definitely great players. You watch them on film, the film – the film says it all with all three of those guys. And uh, like I said, all three guys have really impressed me throughout the whole first half of this year. Yeah, uh, and it's it's classic uh, college football recruiting. Uh, anyone who's been in it has seen it a thousand times. Is a very, very good high school football player that is going to be underserved because he doesn't fit the the prescribed dimensions. And so we see that every year. But these guys are really, really solid football players, and they're going to do well at the next level as we expect. All right, well, listen, um, certainly love having you on. we got to keep doing this, man. Uh, uh, we love the University of Miami recruiting information. Can't get enough of it down here. Absolutely, Chad, man. I, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem at all, man. Looking forward to having you on some more. Thanks for joining us. Corey Bender from Scout.com talking University of Miami Hurricanes recruiting. We're going to jump and take a quick break when we get back to the final segment of tonight's Gridiron Stud Show. We'll be back right after this. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, 
make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. back for the final segment of the Gridiron Stud Show, the recruiting roundtable edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. And uh, always happy to have the reporters come on and tell us the latest going on in their area. You are fully updated. Anyone who listened to the show today, always jam-packed with information. I mean, if you missed this recruiting roundtable show, slap yourself. I mean, if you're into recruiting, this is the show to listen to. Had Andrew Spivey on from GatorCountry.com. Woody Womack from Rivals.com talking some Southeast stuff. Ryan Bartow covering Texas. Texas is a whole region in and of itself. Greg Biggins went all the way out west, talked to Greg Biggins about what's going on with USC and recruiting out there with all of the turmoil they have going on in the coaching staff. And then uh, brought it back home with Corey Bender talking University of Miami Hurricanes recruiting. So covered a lot of areas here. And one of the things that, uh, you know, you may have noticed in some of the discussions that I had with the reporters tonight is we're talking to about several places where they, you know, some unrest in the coaching staff. And uh, I asked the impact on recruiting, and it has changed the minds of some players. And that uh, begs me to dis- make this discussion. For you recruits out there that may be listening, it's as hard as this is uh, for you to do, it's not it can't be about that coach. And, yes, I know we get hooked on personalities and the way a coach makes us feel and uh, makes me feel like he's going to get the most out of me or he really, really cares about me. I understand that's raw human emotion, and it's difficult to separate that. But I do need to say this to you teenagers out there and the parents of these teenagers that are going through this process. As much as you can, you have to make this choice about the institution. You have to make it about the program. You have to make it about the identity of the programs that you are currently trying to choose from. You know, my discussion with Greg Biggins about USC, USC has an identity. And that identity is, you know, some tough football. They run the football out there. They always have student body, right? I mean, running backs come out of there. The list is long. O.J. Simpson, Mike Garrett. Charles White, Marcus Allen, Reggie Bush. The list goes on and on and on. That's been their identity. You know, the identity at Florida is hardcore defense. The identity at Baylor is throwing the ball around and putting up big offensive numbers, as that has become the identity at TCU as well. Michigan, uh, hard-nosed head-cracking football, tight end, fullback, that stuff. That's why they went and got Harbaugh and brought him back. Because he understands that this is this is what we do here at Michigan. That's Michigan football. We'll win and lose by that. They tried the Rich Rodriguez thing, where they tried to change the culture. It didn't work out. So you're choosing a program for that. If you're a defensive player and you you have a choice of several places – 
Man, you're looking for a place that has a, a culture of playing solid defense, a history of playing solid defense. Because you know what? Coaches come and go. They'll leave programs in a minute. Sometimes they get fired. Sometimes they leave for a better opportunity elsewhere. You can't fault the coaches for that. That's the, that's the system, the way that it is, the way that it's set up. So don't waste any time getting all emotional about that. Just know that when there's an identity at the school that you're thinking about, whether that coach stays or leaves, the people in charge there, by and large, are going to try and keep that identity. So when the coach leaves, they're trying to bring another guy in that can hold on to that identity. So while the coach may leave, the core of what the program is will stay. And if you find yourself dealing with a program that has been all over the place, identity-wise, you know, one minute they were spread, and the next minute they were double tight ends. One minute they played hardcore defense, the next minute not so much. Then, you you know, you got to question whether or not that's going to be the place for you because if the coach changes, everything might change. So there may not be an importance on what it is that you do there, and now they might change your position, change, you know, how you play. Then you're going to be unhappy. Coaching change. Look around. Do your research. Coaching changes happen. You are extremely lucky if you have the same head coach for the duration of your time there. And I'm telling you, you you more than likely will not have the same position, Coach. That is almost impossible nowadays if you stay at a place for four or five years to have that same position, Coach, for that amount of time. If you think the head coaches move around, I'm telling you the assistant coaches move around even more. So if you want to latch yourself on to the guy that recruited you or you want to latch yourself on to your position, Coach, and think that that person's going to be at your side and there for you for the entire entirety of your college football career, you're going to be disappointed. So, yeah, absorb the personalities, interact with them, create friendships. There's no law against you being a friend with a coach who coaches at another school. No law against that. You never know. Your paths may cross again. They may end up becoming the coach at your school. Or they may move to the National Football League and you move to the National Football League and there they are. So there's no rule against that. But ultimately, your college choice should be about the college. Academically, what's their profile? And program-wise, what has been their identity? And does it fit what it is that you do? Because a lot of these places will try to stay true to their identity when they are making a coaching change. And coaching changes are going to happen. So if I get any message across to you here in this final segment, it's that. Choose the school, not the coach. Choose the school, not the coach. And so I think I'm going to be writing an article on that. But if you're here listening, please take that message with you. And either pass it on to your kids. If you're a coach, pass it on to your players. And if you're a player, listen to that. Don't ignore that advice. You're going to get a lot of uh, tips from adults here, if you're a junior or a senior, here in the next six months to a year. A lot of it you're going to ignore. Hey, this is one you probably don't want to ignore. I see a lot of unhappy guys who go off to school, attached at the hip to a position coach or a head coach, and a year or two later, 
that guy's gone. Now what? Now I'm at a school, and this they don't this doesn't really fit what it is that I do. And the guy the guy that I came here for is gone. And I can't tell you the amount of unhappiness you're going to feel if that happens to be your situation. So again, finally, repeating this again, choose the school, choose the program, not necessarily to coach. Don't get that backwards. All right, so uh, that's going to do it for another Wednesday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show, the Recruiting Roundtable Edition. I enjoy doing these shows. Uh, I'm like you. I enjoy getting that information from these reporters and hearing what's going on recruiting-wise in the different regions of this country. Got to love college football. Got to love college football recruiting. It's uh, all the craze now. And I'm happy to uh, have this Wednesday show where we get to talk about it. Hey, listen, programming note. First of all, um, if you missed yesterday's program, Straight Talk with Warren Sapp, you're going to laugh your head off. He's absolutely hilarious. Go to gridironstudshow.com and choose the archive version of that show and listen to it. Uh, he'll have you in stitches because Warren Sapp is never one to mince words. He gives it to you straight. We had a good time with him yesterday. I'm back on again tomorrow talking college football and NFL football. going to have uh, uh, Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com on to talk about the latest going on in Gainesville. Plenty to talk about there. Bud Elliott joins me to talk about Florida State football after the big win over Miami. And then on Friday, we have our football Friday. It's jam-packed. We talk a bunch of high school football, also talk college and NFL football. And my co-host, Emil Calamino, and I give you our picks. We've been pretty damn good picking these college and, and uh, NFL football games, so you definitely don't want to miss that. Hey, every day is a good day here on the Gridiron Stud Show, so you want to join us weekdays. We're on weekdays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Join us and tell a friend. The more the merrier. We'd like to thank all the guests today. Thank you all for listening, and enjoy the rest of your night. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.